0: Hello and welcome to episode 1040 of The Sleeper in the Bus. It is Wednesday, April 13th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and today's special guest episode, I am joined by Clay Link of Rotowire. Clay, how's it going?
1: Good, Paul. I appreciate you having me on. I think this is the first time I've been on The Sleeper in the Bus. So. It is, so it's long overdue,
0: but we got it done. Oh, I appreciate and it. let's be honest, it's going to be the first of multiples. I've already got it, already got things mapped out. You're going to be getting a summer <laughs> invite to return uh, At Clay W. Link on Twitter, people can find you. The RotoWire show that you do uh, with James Anderson is one of the best out there. The Thursday episode with the prospects, and then you do the Friday episode with Todd. Is that the same schedule for this year?
1: Actually, you know, because I'm doing XM with Jeff Erickson now on Thursdays and then two hours with James on XM on Fridays, Two hours with James on Saturdays on XM. I've actually come off the uh, prospect pod. For the oh, okay. Okay. Pardon me. Uh, we had a hell of a run.
0: Excellent. But I just I think, you
1: know, it. nine hours of media in a week is a little too much, given all that, the quality that control is we, got, we got going on here.
0: I, I feel you. I feel you. But uh, it will be missed because that was one of my favorites. Uh, although I will say maybe it's uh, maybe it's for the better in terms of some of my time because uh, keeping up with pods is so difficult, especially with yeah, no. really tough. Like very little driving anymore. Obviously, even before the pandemic, I worked from home, but I still go out, you know, run my errands, go get food and everything like that. So that's my car time was really my pod time. Mm-hmm. I just don't listen to pods as much sitting at the desk. I usually have something on the second screen. And obviously, now with the season starting, it'll be games. Uh, obviously i'll still be listening to the rotowire podcast pretty regularly but you will be missed your serious work is awesome though i love listening to you on there Thanks, and i've been on there with you and james before on the weekend so i just uh, heard you earlier today on there I yes. was listening from home listening with todd uh, working with todd and uh, jeff every tuesday so i got my regular spot there a lot of turnover you know with you changing things chris lists out so we're moving forward a lot of great stuff coming out of the rotowire show uh but let's talk Some baseball here. We've got some early season standouts that I want to get your thoughts on. You know, it's really difficult time in the fantasy landscape these first couple weeks, because what do you talk about? What do you do? Do Do you just talk about what's going on? Is there anything actionable? So that's what we're going to try to get into. We're going to talk about six different hitting standouts their viability across all different types of formats. And then because of your prospect uh, work on the pod previously, I know that you'll be a nice go-to guy here to talk about six key call-ups and how viable they might be this year. So let's just start at the top. We got to start with hitting the Kwan and talk about Stephen Kwan. He's been so amazing. And he had his believers, but he was not universal to the point where he was available in a ton of main events this week. He, he didn't go in mine, and I thought I had a really sharp room. And, I, I mean, I still do. I'm not saying because Quan didn't go that it's not a sharp room. Mm-hmm. He was just very available in a lot of leagues. I think playing time was a big part of it. And was it Luis Araya's part two? was kind. Of, that, that's kind of where I came out. And Bradley Zimmer hadn't been traded by the time we did our draft, so I'm sitting there thinking, like, I get it, and I respect Alex Chamberlain. Um, my friend Colin Weatherwax was a big fan. I totally get it. But he didn't really fit my plans. Um, somebody like a Jake Fraley was somebody who I was taking in a spot where I would take Stephen Kwan. So he's come out. He's been probably the hottest hitter going. Not just the hottest uh, off the chart, you know, off the radar guy, but the hottest hitter overall. Six ninety-two average, seven eighty-nine OBP, one thousand slug, double, two triples, nine hits in all, six runs, three ribbies. How real is Stephen Kwan at age twenty-four? <sighs>
1: Well, I'd I'd pump the brakes a little bit on Stephen Kwan. It's been a great story, but let's not forget this time last year, your mean Mercedes was lighting the world on fire, and yes. these these flashes in the pan kind of come and go. And we just we have to wait and see if this one's real or not. I do think because his plate skills are so strong that Stephen Kwan has a good chance to be around for a while. I mean, yes, he's walked five times to get zero strikeouts so far, so that's pretty nice. But I mean. He hasn't had a ball in play that's – well, I guess he has, but he has a 692 uh, batting average on balls in play. So he has had a few – it would seem a couple balls in play that found mitts, but not very many. So let's just wait and see. Uh, He doesn't have any homers or steals yet, and, you know, he maxed out last year at, what, 12 and 6. He had three three homers and 11 bags in 2019. You're skeptical how much he's going to move the needle – in mixed leagues, I think in you know, AL only, you, you found gold probably because of, of the playing time and the steals. But, uh, what do you think, Paul? Is he going to be a guy that you know, in, in the main event, people are going to be having in their lineup every single half I, <sighs> I just don't know.
0: I, I don't think so. And it, it, can I wet blanket it completely by just saying that last year, four games in, which is how many Stephen Kwan has. Luis Rise was hitting five thirty nine, six forty seven, six fifteen. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and again, I don't hate
1: Luis Rise.
0: I don't either. I cite mm-hmm. it specifically because th- that's what I'm saying. That's who I was thinking that he kind of was, and mm-hmm. that's why I wasn't really drafting Stephen Kwan a ton. If we don't see power, and we did see, listen, it was um, in the in his double AA, A, triple A season last year. He hit both levels. It was a two hundred two ISO in double A. 194 in Triple A. That's that's some punch. So there could be a little bit of punch in the bat there that could turn totally make him a level better than Luis rise But I wouldn't have been going out spending like $500 on him or anything. $200. He went for 165 in TGFBI my league, um, but he went for. He went for 55 in my main, but it was before he broke out. So the 165 is after breaking out. That was just this past weekend. And I don't know. I don't know if I want to pay 165 for Stephen Kwan. Uh, th- that's actually fair. Anything under 200, I'm okay with. I do like him. I understand the excitement, but I agree with tapping the brakes. Um, let me ask you if you'd cut some guys for him and, and, and try to figure out where you're at. Well, uh, before I we get into guys specifically to cut, are you rostering him in 12-teamers, Stephen Kwan? Ooh, that'd be kind of pushing it for me. I
1: mean, maybe if, I have a, if I'm have down like A.J. Pollock, something like this, I could maybe justify it. But uh, a guy I picked up in the FSGA Champions League last week who I got for cheaper than what Stephen Kwan, for went, uh, Stephen Kwan went for this week was Jorge Mateo. Mm-hmm. I think I'd rather have a guy like that because I think he's going to give you a little bit more juice at least. He moves the speed needle, yeah,
0: and might have a similar power profile. Yeah. So then, that's in, like, of
1: course, roto league scoring batting average.
0: Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. I
1: think OBP maybe quan would get the edge there, but uh, the speed factor
0: just would push me toward the uh, Mateo side in that in that instance. Would you cut so yeah? So I'm not even gonna ask you about tens because you're already having an odd on 12s. So you're obviously not looking at quan in tens. And with those twelves, does it have to be a five outfielder situation or would a three outfielder encourage you? Or, uh, I don't think you?
1: he I don't think he clears the bar
0: in that case. It'd have to be five for Yeah I I think so too, because you're talking, you know, obviously um just the 36 outfielders, but then a handful of guys at other positions and Util probably what about fifty to fifty-five outfielders rostered at any at any given moment. Um is he in there? I, I don't know that that he definitively is, plus you're not getting the stuff that he's already done. That's the real issue with picking up a galaxy <laughs> and quan. Did you just miss his best run? Yeah. Um, so that, that's that's the tough part there. In a 15 teamer, would you cut him for somebody like Mike Yastrzemski, who hasn't really done anything mm-hmm. to start, but has you know, he has some pelts on the wall, he's done some things.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. Um hmm. I'd probably just ride this out for now instead of making that move now. And then if Kwan really kind of tanks, then you'll, you can pick up somebody because if that's like the replacement bar, like you can find somebody who's similar to Mikey Stremski down the road, I think.
0: Yeah. And you might even be able to replicate both. The, the issue, the, the big thing with Quan is the batting average is always difficult to find, you know, especially late in drafts or off the waiver wire. So that is where you can definitely move the needle, but, you're going to have to make up that power and speed deficit if he ends up being a single-digit guy in both. Um, yeah, just curious. we see
1: these guys pop up all the time. like Exactly. Uh, Aristides Aquino. We mm-hmm. can go on and on. Yeah. I'm, I'm but it's just Just wait
0: and see. Don't get too
1: caught up in the moment.
0: Exactly, because you can make a bad decision. Let me ask you this. How, how you felt about the Josh Lowe price points? I'm throwing you a name that I didn't put on the list, but what did you think of about the Josh Lowe price points? in uh in the main events this weekend when he was going for you know five six hundred dollars yeah
1: man i i uh, didn't have a shot at him in my one main but uh i get it i get it that you know there's 2020 potential there maybe even upside but it is the raise the indiscriminate platooning makes me kind of a little bit
0: lower on the plate appearances, but I understand. And, and the strikeout that's rate so, makes me yeah. a little nervous to pay that price. I really like Josh Low. In fact, my DC yeah. shares would would prove that I balked at, at, at getting him in my mains because playing time, and they hadn't traded Meadows, so mm-hmm. I, I was going for more certain playing time. I understand the draft skills over roles, but that's I I. I Employ that adage a lot more in DCs where I'm just like, give me just get the talent and I'll kind yeah. of figure things out. So I didn't get Josh, uh, Josh Lowe there. 500 is a lot, though. That's 50% yeah, that's of your budget. Lot. I get that it's a 2020 guy. What if it comes with like a 230 average, though? Um, the, the yeah, strikeout some, rate is a little I'm concerning. Good no, go yeah, enough. I'm sorry to
1: cut you off. I was just gonna say, I've heard the argument that, well, you know, Josh Lowe may be the most impactful prospect to come up. Maybe that's maybe that's fair. Maybe I mean, and you get a full season. I and I, I understand yeah, that
0: part too. When it's like, hey, I'm getting a full season of a guy, but that's a lot of money. That's a lot of your budget to put out for a guy that I don't think is quite on that Julio Rodriguez, Spencer Torkelson, Bobby Witt, even like Riley Green type of level that I think is more game changing. I do like Josh Lowe power speed combo but i thought those prices were a little too high i think Stephen kwan obviously a much lower price point but a little bit up there too i want to talk about comparing Stephen kwan to his teammate because you talk about moving the needle oscar mercado is somebody who has a 15 15 season under his belt and i really fell for him after that 2019 i was very big on him didn't really do anything in 2020 93 point appearances threw that out i was willing to say you know what i'm still in but then last year, just 72 games, dealt with some injuries, was not pre- was not very good when he played. A couple homers to start the season. Any love for Oscar Mercado this year because his playing time uh, looks like it could be there as well. Now, he's only done those two homers, so that's really all we're going off of. But is he back on your radar at all as somebody who's been a power speed guy before with Oscar Mercado?
1: Well, I think he has to be back on the radar now for sure because what's the old adage once you – Once you show a skill, you own it. Exactly. And he's still a young guy. So you're right that he's already shown up something at the big league level. There's opportunity seemingly in that Cleveland outfield. So I think you have to at least kind of have him on your watch list. Maybe you you have him on your waterfalls this weekend. Mm -hmm. I'd probably have him lower in the list. But, uh, yeah, kind of an interesting guy. Every time I see him, I kind of feel like I I get a, a Jose Peraza vibe. Where Okay. It's like maybe he's a little overmatched against high-end pitching. But I totally
0: get that. That that's a damper, really? but it's it's true. It's true. And I, I mean, Peraza, he, was Peraza had a I always couple good Yeah, but I always struggled to really get in on Peraza. I've I've yeah. been in on Mercado, but are they really that different? You know, Peraza had the big fourteen twenty-three season with a two eighty-eight average for your ball club, the Reds. Uh, had 23 steals the year before that with just five homers, 21 steals the year before that. So he's got 320 steal seasons. So that's some fantasy relevance. I mentioned the 15-15 for Mercado, uh, but I don't mind him. You said on your waterfalls, and and that's lower on your on your bid list there. Maybe somebody else is at the top. Quan obviously, rostered at this point. But whoever emerges as this week's go-to, maybe like a Jesus Sanchez in 10s and 12-teamers, uh, we're going to see him. That's actually our next guy to talk about. He's not really available in 15s, but in 10s and 12s, he will be. Maybe you put Sanchez as the top guy, maybe another guy that we're going to talk about in a moment, Seth Brown, and then you get to Mercado, depending on your needs. But I am at least back interested in Mercado after not even thinking about him during draft season.
1: Same, same. And, you know, between now and Sunday afternoon, I'll probably have Starting outfield will get hurt on a few teams, so mm-hmm. maybe Mercado will jump up my list. Yeah, so right now it's looking like my interest may be
0: kind of minimal, but ask me in four days. We'll see. Let's talk about Jesus Sanchez. I just mentioned that he was our next guy. Couple homers yesterday, a couple moonshots, man. He really tanked those. Um. First little damage of the season, but I'll tell you what I'm keyed in on, and it's 17 plate appearances, so everything that we're keyed in on is tiny, tiny, tiny samples. But I do like, because it's one of the first things to stabilize, I keep a close eye on swinging strike rate and strikeout rates for strikeout guys like Sanchez, because one of the issues is that he could hit 220 with your 25-30 homers. But if he can cut into the strikeout rate and be more of a mid-20s guy, let alone low-20s strikeout rate, this could be like a 270. 30 homer type of breakout like there's big potential here I really like Jesus Sanchez he was somebody I was drafting in 15s and maybe considering uh, actually uh, reserve roster in 12s for sure but no nothing in 10s where do you come out on Jesus Sanchez now that uh, we put it has a couple homers and put him on the radar in shallower formats
1: well some serious FOMO on my part I mean I don't have Sanchez on a single team so I'm kind of sweating this a little bit i have to be completely honest i kind like, of like let the, this
0: be the breakout
1: <laughs> well maybe i can rectify it and get him in a trade or something but uh i was kind of often just given the plate skills i thought you know in a guy who's in his first sample in 2020 20 struck out you know 38 of the time then 31.1 last year i was a little scared and you mentioned you know the improvement early on this season maybe it's sticky and mm-hmm. maybe he if he lives in this range where he's at right now, 23.5% K rate, that'll be I'm like that. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. his his chase rate still bottom third of the league right now. So mm-hmm. small sample, but um yeah, you know, when he's putting bats the ball, he's absolutely crushing it. 402 XBA, 646 X X bacon as this podcast uh made made famous. That that phrase. I love it. Um so yeah, he's when he's putting bat to ball, he's still crushing or he's absolutely crushing. But I do still have some concerns about the, the play discipline. It's but very if like he makes if he takes a step forward, there he could be a, a huge profit earner where he was going in drafts.
0: It's very reasonable to have those concerns. I did compare him a bit to his new teammate Jorge Soler, and you saw the trajectory of Jorge Soler. And it took a while. He was a big time prospect, and it really took a while for him to come together. Now a lot of that was injury. But even within, you know, even before the breakout 2019, you look at what Solaire did. He was a 102 WRC plus for 1132 plate appearances with a 28% uh, strikeout rate and a 249 average. And that's when averages were a bit higher back in 2014 through 2018. I think I think that 249 uh, today would probably be closer to 230. The way just the way strikeouts are up across the league and everything, and Jorge Solaire himself has raised his strikeout rate in concert. So I like Jesus Sanchez, but again, don't let a two homer game lead you to a bad decision where you're putting all your money on him. He right now looks like kind of a standard power guy. who's going to go through the ebbs and flows uh, with a bad batting average. If we see a change in in terms of the strikeout rate, that's where he can be a game changer. But for now, breathe. Yeah.
1: And, you know, I mentioned that he's still swinging outside the zone at pitches, but you're right that, uh, you know, you mentioned swing strike rate. Swing strike rate down about four percentage points right now. So just a little bit more patient. If, if, you still if, want, him to, you want 10. him to. Yeah, that's pretty good. You want him to have that sweet that, spot of like being. Uh, not being too patient. You want him to still be aggressive mm-hmm. early in counts. But uh, yeah, if he can cut that swing strike rate down, if that's sticky, then uh, he could be in for a big year. I need I to probably to start. looks like. Well,
0: Kevin Biggio. Um, that, that's a that's exactly the name and Jake Fraley too. I think both of them yes. order on too patient. Um and because you know you look at the 17% walk rate Fraley had last year with a 10% swinging strike rate, 27% strikeout rate. He's putting himself in too many deep counts and letting himself get struck out too often. Uh so I hope he can be a little bit more aggressive and we'll see how it goes with Sanchez. But I do like him. I do I'm gonna actually bounce up. I'm gonna s- switch two names here on the uh on the rundown, Seth Brown and, and Jerkson profile. Let's talk Brown because he's very similar to Sanchez, in my opinion. He's got that needle-moving power, but it could really come with a low batting average. Uh, he's already got a couple homers on the season. He's hitting 214 with a 17% swingy strike rate. The interesting thing is that he's only struck out 20%, but with 17% swingy strikes, that strikeout rate is going to go up. He's 29% for his career. Do you see anything more out of Brown than a 220 or lower batting average with, with a bunch of power? Or can you find an avenue to kind of maybe get into the two forty range, which would be a lot more palatable? How do you feel about Oakland's Seth Brown?
1: Well, uh, one of our podcast hosts here at RotoWire, Scott Jenstad, a big A's fan, and he's mm-hmm. you know he's on the thirty plus homer train for Seth Brown. Me too. I can't really, I can't really get on that train yet. But uh, you know, he's able to bring that there? average up.
0: He could be nice. You, know, you don't think the PT is there to get it, even if he is hitting 214? Because that's I think probably thinking. is. That that you know, it's not even that he's gonna hit 30 homers that are gonna be hundred percent fantasy viable. It's that I think Seth Brown is gonna play every day against righties and some days against lefties. So he's gonna get 30 by vo- by sheer volume. I'm hoping that it can be with like a 230 or better average, because that's a lot more palatable than two fourteen, which is what he's hit since uh the start of 2021
1: yeah, and it's a question of if he's still batting low two hundreds that takes away a lot of the value of those homers. So mm-hmm. he's got to hit a certain level with his batting average to really make those homers worthwhile. That's kind of what i'm I'm worried about is is he such a drag that the uh, the value of those homers kind of gets negated? that's that's my worry with him, but uh, it's a land of opportunity out there in Oakland right now. So that's, yeah I don't really have any about concerns it. about the playing time.
0: yeah, that's what I like about a few of those. Guys out there with Kevin Smith, uh, uh, Seth Brown, Chad Pender, playing time galore there. All right, so we got two two pairs here. We got Stephen Quan, Oscar Mercado, to Sanchez, Seth Brown. Quan and Mercado um, aren't equal one to one because uh, of their cost difference right now. Who would you rather have at their cost though? Because if you go to try to trade for Stephen Quan, people are going to be asking higher. Oscar Mercado, much, much lower. So who would you prefer at cost between Quan and Mercado?
1: Well, I caught most of that, Paul, but I got to apologize. Maybe the, maybe the internet here in the office is a little sketchy, but uh,
0: I think I'd rather have Mercado
1: at cost. Okay. Because I mean, Quan, yeah, I guess, you know, 200s isn't huge, especially when you're comparing to uh, Josh Lowe at, you know, 500 plus, but, you know, Mercado, I think you can still sneak through pretty cheap. So I'm not, I don't really want to spend big on Quan myself. Mm -hmm. And
0: then what about between Sanchez and Brown? Again, I, I think Sanchez will be a little bit more costly, for example, in like 10s and 12s than Brown. So then factor in that cost between Sanchez and Brown. Who do you prefer between those two? Hmm, Sanchez. Yeah, another We're pay
1: up. So I'm going to I'm gonna probably have to send out some trade offers for Sanchez. Yeah, I'm,
0: I'm on Sanchez over Brown as well. I do like Brown, but uh, Sanchez, I think, has the better batting average upside because Brown has shown no indication of improving his strikeout rate uh, our last two guys are also a, their own little pair for a different reason they're teammates jerks and profar and austin nola a couple of standouts right now profar has been around for i think 32 years in the majors um he's only 29 so i don't know how that math works but it is true don't look it up he's been in the majors for 32 years uh he's been around forever man like this is when when was he like the number one overall prospect in baseball? It had to have been like a decade ago at this point, if not more. He seriously has been in our consciousness. Yeah, twenty thirteen is when he was the number one prospect wow. in all of baseball, and the so on the cover of like Baseball America, injuries, everything. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Jerickson Profar was everywhere. The guy. Yeah. Injuries. Were, have been the biggest issue. He's only had 2,461 plate appearances in that time, only twice go exceeding 500. Um, it's been pretty bland. He's a 91 career WRC plus. He has two homers early. He's playing. He doesn't strike out. He can take a walk. Is there finally a jerks and profile breakout there? Or is this just a nice little start for the, 29 year the fact he's still under 30 is crazy too for the 29 year old in uh profar.
1: Well, I added profar in quite a few leagues last weekend, so I'm guess I'm I'm in. I don't really expect like a full-on breakout. I think that ship has probably sailed for jerks in mm-hmm. Profar, but I think he can be a viable, you know, fourth or fifth outfielder in in uh, 15 team leagues. I I think that's the bar. I didn't add him in twelves, but uh I did add him in TGFBI, I think, Okay. Uh, and definitely in the main. So, uh, let me see who I put him in. In the main, I put him in for like in my util over like Dominic Smith, Edwin yeah. Rios. So I, I kind of took a shot on some of those part-time boppers like the Edwin Rioses and and the uh, Dominic Smiths. And until one of those guys maybe emerges, Profar at least give me steady playing time. So. Couple of homers already and uh you look at that San Diego lineup, they kind of need Profar in there. <laughs> they
0: really do. Like it's a half a lineup. Uh it really dies off there me. in the second half. Profar. Uh, rookie cj abrams and the other guy we're going to talk about austin nola these are the guys who could change it and turn it into a deeper lineup nola himself is off to a fast start with a 142 wrc plus in 18 plate appearances but he has a homer five hits two runs I kind of liked Nola as a C2, even though they had a little bit of a catching glut, which they did alleviate a little bit by trading Caratini out, which I didn't think they would do since he's Darvish's personal catcher. But now they have Nola, Alfaro, and still Luis Compensano on the come up. Um, But I went for Nola as a C2, even got him in one of my mains. When he's played, he's been good. He's an above average hitter, 114 WRC plus for his career. Do you think Austin Nola is going to be a fantasy relevant catcher uh, in all leagues that have two catchers?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, those second catchers in a lot of leagues are going to be pretty ugly, and at least you don't worry too much about him killing you. Exactly. Um, like, a lot of catchers, a lot of second catchers will uh, actively hurt your lineup, so. And, and I think that get so worried about that with Nola. Yeah, me too. Uh, I mean, yeah. you're negating a lot of the, the good work your other members of your roster are doing when
0: you have a terrible catcher and two. that's one thing that i learned and by the way i apologize i'm kind of steamrolling the back back in there i think we have a little bit of a lag so i'm gonna i'm gonna wait a little bit there uh, in between your comments and mine but um what that's one of the things i learned in the baseball forecaster the front page everyone reads the the blurbs and i love the blurbs I, I i get have the privilege to write a few of them every year the articles in the front pages have so much valuable info and it was there a few years ago that i learned How bad some of those C2s are if you just wait for the last guy or the total dregs as opposed to getting somebody. You think, ah, it's a $1 catcher. How can it hurt me? Those 200 plate appearances of a 140 average or whatever trash you're getting, (laughs) that can damage. And so I've ever since then, I've played catchers a lot higher where I'd like to get a stud one and then a decent one or two decent ones. But I never want to live at the very, very tail end. And that's why I liked Nola, because even at his worst, he was a 100 WRC plus last year. That's literally his worst season. So I think Nola is going to play a decent bit and be a quality hitter. And that's why I picked him up. I think he's a must add in any two catcher formats.
1: I like that. If you're needing a second catcher, that's a good one um I'm with you I think in the past I undervalued the scarcity bump that catchers get with their stats I always knew they got one but maybe I undervalued just that bump in the past so I think Mm -hmm. you really can get a leg up on your competition if you have a couple good catchers and that's why I went hard after like Will Smith and I tried to get a second good one to pair up with him in a lot of cases like Alejandro Kirk or um you know Danny Jansen who unfortunately is hurt right now but no one could uh, replace Jansen yeah no one could replace Jansen and yeah I think you know I've I've been against going early catcher in the past but I think I've learned the errors of my ways in that regard because uh having a couple bad catchers
0: really undoes a lot of the the good work you're you did earlier in your draft yep and that that's the thing and we don't we don't weight that properly in my opinion it's hard to
1: quantify you know?
0: yes it is you, you really got to dig into the numbers to really see how bad it, it, it can hurt you um all right so let's move on to some notable call-ups again i mentioned that you used to do the prospect pod with, with james anderson on the thursday edition of the road to wire that is no more but it was amazing so yeah, i will always remember it finally guys always did your special segment uh, usually related to your both y'all's major, major fandom of hip-hop music so i always loved that as well Uh, but let's get into some of these guys i want to hear your thoughts on how viable guys like elliot ramos can be he was a surprise call up for the giants i did not expect him to be pretty much the first call up for them and here he is he's up looks like he's going to get some playing time now everyone on the giants seems to be platoon these days like no matter who you are there's a couple guys that might play every day like brandon crawford because of his defense um, and, and Joey Bart plays more more often than not because he's the starting catcher. But otherwise, if you're on that team, you're platoon is Ramos just going to be a short side platoon guy or is there a way that the right handed 22 year old can find himself getting a bigger share of the playing time?
1: Well, it's funny that you asked because I was just tweaking our you know default batting orders versus lefties and righties. And I was like, I don't know if I could really justify putting him in the default order against right handed pitching. I think and you know, i just had to leave him as a guy only in the the order against lefties so tough to tough for me to call right now on ramos because this team has its sights set extremely high they're not going to let a guy like helio ramos like work out his struggles on the job so mm-hmm. i kind of wonder if maybe this is a short-term call up i know they call him up a few days into the season so maybe they're ready to just let him rock and roll but I wonder if uh, maybe eventually if he kind of struggles playing part-time, they they decide, all right, let's just get him back playing every day in the minors. So I'm not really on him. I think I'd rather have a guy like C.J. Abrams. I know they're different yeah. positions. but uh, No, I, I'm, I'm with you, though. Yeah, he's yeah, a guy the on the strong part-time. side of a platoon, hopefully. We'll, we'll see about Abrams. But I'm hopeful Abrams can uh, hold on to a strong side platoon job.
0: Yeah, I, I like Ramos. There's definitely some upside there, but I, I think it could be short-term as well. Lamont Wade Jr. hit the yeah. IL, and that seemed to be the one-for-one move there that they did. Uh kind of like had, Lamont Wade, too. I do, too. I really do. Uh, I liked a lot of what we saw last year. Even as a strong side guy, you and I play in a lot of deeper leagues, so that makes strong side platoon guys very viable. I know in 10s and 12s, they can be a lot harder to roster, and especially unless you have daily moves. But otherwise, I really like... Uh, Lamont Wade Jr. I hope he comes back from the knee inflammation just fine. Ramos could be short-term. I wouldn't spend more than like $5 or fewer on him. If someone wants mm. to go higher because of the name value, I say let him.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Lamont Wade. Or I guess you know we brought him up in this combo because uh, I drafted him in a couple leagues right before he went on, or I guess right before he got hurt in the spring because I was kind of like on that power speed combo and maybe he showed mm-hmm. a little something. So don't forget about him when he comes back. Yeah, because... You know, I think in those 15 teamers with five starting outfielders, Lamont Wade could be a guy you're
0: starting pretty Completely regularly agree. in a month or so. Completely agree. So just stay tuned on the news for him. Uh, we already mentioned Josh Lowe. Uh, I mentioned how expensive he was, and you kind of hinted that at seeing it, understanding the upside. What do you realistically see from from Josh Lowe this year? Include the fact that we know the Rays uh, can also – you know, maneuver guys in and out of the lineup there. They did cut a little bit of their outfield glut by trading Austin Meadows to my Tigers, which facilitated the Josh Lowe move. But if he is hitting more of the 230 because of all his strikeouts, do we see him start losing playing time? Does a Vidal Brujan start to creep into the picture? What do you you see as kind of the baseline from Josh Lowe as opposed to the upside?
1: Well, looking at our projection on the site, which... Jeff Erickson does. He's got him for 249 average the rest of the way with 1919. Oh, I would love that. So that's that's hot, pretty juicy. I mean, mm-hmm. 69 RBI, nice there, very nice. Uh, 73
0: <laughs> runs for children.
1: And I'm going to take the under on those home runs and stolen bases. I'd say, you know, I'm not thinking 1919, I'd say maybe like 13, 15. You know? I would think fourteen
0: fourteen you 14, 14, somewhere right there. Yeah, if
1: you think if you set your expectations there, I think you'll be pretty happy, but this is the raise. They could send him down if he struggles or, you know, it's kind of a buyer's market for for trades. Maybe they, they trade for somebody or, you know, maybe they sign Conforto or somebody like that. But uh, I just wouldn't bank on everyday playing time. As we said before, I think you got to be realistic and, uh, you know, pie in the sky is 2020, but I think, as long as he goes 10-10 with a little room for growth there, you'll, you'll probably be pretty happy as your you know, fourth or fifth outfielder. But I don't think you should bank on those when you're kind of looking at, you know, okay, what do I need? I got 20 bags from Josh Lowe and 20 homers. I think you're maybe overselling them
0: a little bit in that regard. I think that's completely accurate on Josh Lowe. I went high 200s out of my $1,000 budget. I felt comfortable doing that, but that's really the best I could do. I got blown out of the wall other people he, he went over 300 in all but two leagues so i would have had to be in one of those two leagues to get josh Lowe for the bids i was putting out let's wow. join your wheelhouse here because you are a Cincinnati Reds fan for those that don't know and y'all's team has had a really interesting offseason slash early season because when they traded sonny gray and then the jesse winker uh a suarez cash dump uh, which that's that's what that was more than anything else because it looked like it was a a teardown right like okay molly's gone castillo's gonna be gone they're gonna trade anything that's not nailed down outside of like india stevenson and then vado because he's he's the old man and he makes a lot of money they didn't they traded gray they dumped that suarez money that's why they traded winker was to get rid of suarez money but then they didn't really do anything else they signed tommy fam and then they call up hunter green and nick lodolo green time has passed he's already been picked up because he's thrown a hundred mile an hour bb's all over the place you can talk a little bit about green if you'd like but i want to focus on ladolo he's starting tomorrow how excited are you by nick ladolo's start uh coming up and how viable is he in shallower formats tens and twelves
1: i'm pretty darn excited about ladolo you know it's opening day in cincinnati but it's kind of a tough day to be a reds fan if you saw those quotes from the younger castellini kind of a joke I that did. guy but um yeah you know, i do think you know I'm excited about what I saw from Hunter Green. And I think maybe Nick Lodolo is a little bit more polished even. So if that's the case, I ended up grabbing Lodolo in a bunch of leagues at the end of draft season just because he was lining up to face the Guardians <laughs> early on. And yeah, exactly. we'll see what happens from there. But uh, looks like a pretty good spot to uh, to land in the big leagues facing that Cleveland Guardians team. So I'm pretty pumped. I know our own – I always say our own – James Anderson, I know it gets obnoxious, but uh, we're of I course know. really proud I'm to have James. Him. James is and, the man. Uh, yeah, he said that he actually thinks for 2022 alone that uh, he'd rather have Ladolo so than 100 that, Green. Dude? That is
0: I, I, so yeah, over Green because I was yeah. actually a little bit worried about Green's. Uh, I thought the fastball, you know, it, some of the some of the critiques of it were that it was a little flat. Like it's a hundred, but anyone can hit a hundred. Well, not anyone, but a lot of guys in the majors can hit a hundred if it's flat. Well, then he had that good start. And I'm like, okay, that's one good start. I don't want to completely change my opinion. But Lodolo is the one that I, I was like, he's got the major upside. Both absolutely do. But I think I'm with I'm with that on Lodolo for this year. He's the guy I wanted. Plus, I think he's a lot cheaper because Hunter Green throwing 100, being the flashy number two overall pick, everyone's putting the big bucks on him.
1: Yeah, you know, Hunter Green did give up a couple homers. And, mm-hmm. uh you know, I think that could be a problem because, yeah, when guys – big league hitters level out a hundred it'll it'll fly out we saw that with uh, Matt Olson and I think Travis Darnot was the other guy who homered off yes. uh, Hunter Green but uh, and he faces the Dodgers coming up and still hasn't pitched at home so yeah there's still a lot of questions with Green Lodolo is going to face a lot of those same obstacles you know with team context but I, I just think you know with his stuff you know James actually said that even with Hunter Green pumping a hundred that he might think top to bottom with his arsenal uh, Lodolo has even better stuff. So uh, we could see him really hit the ground running. I got really aggressive after Lodolo in the main events in particular, because I'd just taken the shot on Luis Castillo. Castillo fell in oh. the 15th round in my main. So I grabbed him and then I got Lodolo kind That's of as
0: uh, Luis Castillo insurance. I like that. And I like, I, you know, I'm a big Castillo guy. Um, things were a little bit nerve wracking with the injury, but at, at that price, 15th round, If I can can get five months out of, uh,
1: because I don't expect to be able to use Luis Castillo's first few starts, because agreed, they've already kind of said that uh, when he breaks back in, he'll be you know three to four innings as he gets stretched back out on the job. But if I can use him for four and a half, five months, I'm going to be thrilled. I agree. Maybe he's pitching for a better team for most. Exactly. If
0: they they do end up moving, if things don't go well for the Reds, although I think you guys might actually be sneak competitors this year because all of a sudden that lineup terrible. Oh, my gosh, all three aces rocked in Wrigley, and then they go to Baltimore to try to get right, and and they end the up catching bats an bats are ice cold. Yeah, against Bruce Zimmerman. I mean, no offense, <laughs> Bruce, but, like, not, not the guy you're expected to get shut down by. So, I like Nick Lodolo. I'm going to be dialed into a start tomorrow. Obviously, if he starts well, it's going to pop up the price. But I'm, I'm willing to pay a pretty decent penny here, so I'm going to keep an eye on it. I'll have some recommendations on exactly what I'll pay, uh, you know, once we see that starting to get into the weekend. But what about uh, shifting over to Tampa Bay for a guy who starts on Tuesday? So his start will have already happened by the time this comes out on Wednesday, Tommy Romero for the Rays. Now, so often when people hear of a Rays prospect, pitching prospect that comes up, their first question is who? Because it's always these like mid-tier names that not everyone is familiar with outside of like Shane McClanahan and Shane Boz. But Tommy Romero uh, has gaudy stats You know, he and Kobe White were two guys that I think people were really excited about. Kobe White, unfortunately, got hurt. But Romero's already coming up. Is he somebody who interests you? We've seen a lot of strikeout stuff from him. He does get a 40 future value. He's a command and control kind of guy. But is there enough here that he could become fantasy viable? Or does he get raised where he's going, you know, two to four innings a pop as opposed to standard five plus that we need from starters? Yeah, I'm
1: thinking he probably gets raised, but if he's following an opener, that could actually be a good thing.
0: Uh, don't forget about that yeah.
1: crazy like what 19 win uh Ryan Yarbrough year was it yes. 17 wins or we're we're so looking was-
0: for our next guy to do that, right? Ever since yeah. he's done that we're like put another put me Ryan Yarbrough back in that. They have not done that since with a traditional opener and then 3 to 4 innings for the guy in the middle. If Romero gets that, it changes things completely. I totally agree with you. I would love to see that. And James
1: Anderson has him as his 188th ranked prospect, Tommy Romero. So not like a lofty rank, but uh, some really impressive numbers at the high minors for Tommy Romero. Mm-hmm. Uh, 145 to 31 K to walk in 110 innings between double A AA and triple A last year. Not a guy I didn't really know a ton about, but uh, you know, a couple of years ago he was kind of a fringe prospect and now he's kind of built up a little bit of a name for himself given his run at the upper levels. So we'll see how he does. I think he's kind of maybe that, you know, I'd rather have Lodolo and maybe Romero's kind of like that Spencer Strider role. Yeah. For now. Do you, do
0: you think you'd rather have Romero over Strider yourself? Um, I'm kind of Is geeked I, by Strider though. Yeah. I, I saw I, him against the Reds. He looked just nasty. He was so sick in that first out. he went three to a third, I think yesterday. I think that their, their goal was to have him ready to start um you know in a month or so so he could end up being the next guy that comes in you know if oscar and noah you know continues to struggle or they have an injury crop Tucker up davidson it could be Strider. struggled too didn't he yeah he got saw, smoked like smoked yesterday
1: yeah he was pitching in long relief so now somebody else is starting for them i think it's the fifth so yeah that could Vice be elder yeah <laughs> That sounds like a name straight out of Elden Ring or something. But uh <laughs> yeah, he uh I think it's probably Spencer Strider's spot pretty soon. So if he's still available, I'd kind of make Strider a priority this weekend, honestly. I don't want to get too carried away by what he showed against the Reds, but he looked I mean he was a dot in a hundred, just looked disgusting. So exactly I think the Braves and-
0: probably need him pretty soon in that rotation. Ton of swing and miss from him. I gotta give props to Michael Govier. He picked him up on the April 3rd, this the, the preseason uh fab run Jeez. in our leagues for twelve dollars unopposed, and that's looking really in a main sharp event. right now. Yeah, in my main Jeez. event. So I, I gotta give big respect there because that's looking really nice so far. And yeah, tip of the uh, cap go got him cheap. Good job, Govier. Well done. Um, all right. Ronzi Contreras is a prospect for Pittsburgh. That's definitely generated a little bit of hype, uh, particularly in prospect circles. I know a lot of folks were hoping that he would break camp as a starter. He didn't, but he was called up pretty much immediately. So you already made an outing one and two thirds. Is he somebody who can be starter viable this year? Once he gets into the rotation, 22 year old right-hander that they got from the Yankees, big time flamethrower. Is he more in this Tommy Romero, Spencer Strider that we're talking about multi-inning relief or can he be a traditional starter this year? Rumsey Contreras out of Pittsburgh.
1: I think he's probably on that Spencer Strider path for right now, like because they want to manage his innings Definitely. anyway. So kind of putting him in the bullpen for now is a good way to do that. You limit him now and then maybe you could just slowly get him stretched out. I know they kind of said they want to keep him on like a normal starters pitching schedule, even while he's in the bullpen. So that'll be probably an easy transition to the rotation when he's, when he's ready to go. So I'd have him behind Strider and probably Tommy Romero, honestly, right? Just because I think, yes. Tommy Romero is a guy you probably could at least, you know, if you're in a pinch, start right now. I don't know if you could really do that with Contreras. I totally um, agree. So I'd, I'd probably have him behind both Strider and Romero, good distance behind a guy like Ladolo. But yeah, if you're if you need a need some quality multi inning relief, and that does play in a lot of fantasy formats, Contreras is in the mix.
0: Totally agree with that. I mean, the team uh, context to...
1: is terrible, but...
0: It, it's obviously terrible, but the park isn't bad. Yeah, the park and is the, the playing time should be there. And you mentioned that they are going to hold his innings down, but I think once they transition him to starting in the summer, assuming everything goes well, he stays healthy, he's pitching all right, uh, I think if he's starting by, like, mid-June, then he could be a regular every-every-fifth-day type of guy. No worries there for Ronzi Contreras. But it might take yeah, maybe, a while. Mid-Ju- Mid-June's yeah, a long way out.
1: True, and, you know, with... With that division, the NL Central, maybe the Cubs aren't such a pushover as I was expecting, but uh, mm-hmm. the Reds certainly look like you'll want to. Brewers look your, terrible so yeah. far, at least. Yeah, it kind of makes up the Brewers and the Reds looking like more appealing streaming options. Kind of makes up for the Cubs,
0: maybe giving you a little bit more pause. Yeah. Well, we'll see though, too, because your boys are finally getting home, and you know, once they get to uh, Great American, they might start the to, back like, half of that order.
1: That half of that order is Guardians-esque, though. It, that's true. It is kind of
0: a, a top-half, bottom-half type of deal. Uh, let's finish up with Yohan Duran uh, from the Minnesota Twins. You want to talk flamethrower? Holy smokes. This guy brings it completely He is being thrown around as a closer candidate for the ball club right now. I don't know why I said thrown around, but he's being talked about as a uh, closer candidate. He has three innings right now where he's averaging hundred miles an hour, 33% strikeout rate, 19% swinging strike rate, just total flamethrower for his three innings. Um, He did have a high walk rate at triple a last year in 16 innings, but walk rates have not been a major issue for him in his career prior to that. So, is this the next great uh, flame-throwing closer here? Did they trade Taylor Rogers, thinking we have Duron here that we can throw in and and not miss a beat? What do you think of Johan Duron? Well, I want to apologize to him for calling him Joan Duran. The-
1: <laughs> in retrospect, yeah, his name probably wasn't Joan.
0: But you, uh, but you know, like hot, it is Johnny Peralta. Household. And it starts yeah, with a J H. JH, so you know you true, you, you went for it, and now but you know I the saw right
1: pronunciation. On Baseball Reference, yeah, and then I saw a tweet where he said Yoan Duran. So yeah, that's. Uh, I think we're all going to get familiar with that name pretty quick.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, a
1: lot of the big hitters, like the big Hall of Fame types, in the NFBC, were all over Duran this past weekend. I didn't get him, but I'm kind of hoping I can be in this mix for him this coming weekend. Because I know Carlos Correa said, man, this guy's got closer stuff. And they, they do kind of seem to be talking to him up, up as the closer. And if I'm not mistaken, even though it wasn't a safe chance, did he work the ninth yesterday? Durant. I believe
0: that is correct. I'm looking at that days. right now for Duran. Yes, he finished the game with a clean inning. And then he had a two-inning, four-strikeout effort in his first uh, effort uh, first outing of the season. So, And again, 100-mile-an-hour BBs left and right from yeah. Duran. So and you look at those other candidates,
1: Alcala's been working middle innings. Mm-hmm. Pagan's not like the dominant, like
0: muscle home run machine. Guy, yeah. He's and that, that's my issue with him. And then Duffy, I think Duffy's probably Duffy's. gonna get a lot of the saves because he's like he's a steady guy that they've had for years, but he's not overpowering, he throws 92, 93. Um, if you want that dominant swing and miss, it's Duran. So yeah. he was picked up in a handful of leagues, but he's still available in a lot. Keep an eye on him, and if you're saves speculating, I definitely think Duran is somebody that should be on your radar right now.
1: Let me throw this one at you, if you don't mind, yes. Paul. Uh, Duran or um, Deekman, over in Ooh. Boston.
0: That's I'd probably a good rather one. take
1: the upside on on Duran, but I Deekman seems Duron. to be
0: in the role right now. I'll tell you what, and I, so plain and simple, regardless of need, I would say Duran right now. Then if you start to bake in need of like, I desperately need any save I can get, it would be Deakman because he is closer to the role right now. But uh, if you're you're just picking up a guy to get me the best player, I'm going Duron. He looks amazing. And I've been down the Deakman path before. He can be nasty, and I like him as a player, and he's battled adversity to even be playing still with all the stuff he had with his gut that he had to get uh, taken care of. So he's easy to root for but he just walks too many guys and I just think it's gonna create inconsistency and I don't know that he's long for that role especially with Matt Barnes still there. I think they're going to continue to look for somebody uh, to be in that role. Garrett Whitlock is not going to be the closer. It looks like he's going to be more of a primary guy. He's going a few innings here today uh, against my Tigers, or today being Tuesday, four and a third for Rich Hill, and then three innings for Garrett Whitlock, and he's gone three no-hit innings with just a walk and a strikeout. So I don't think he's in the mix for the saves. I think it's Barnes and Diekman. If you desperately need saves, get Deekman. But if you're just looking for the best player, give me Duron. Sorry, long, it was kind of interesting
1: there. how Diekman kind of got that save, and he did it in dominant fashion. Struck out the side against that middle of that Yankees lineup after NFBC Fab had run. So I'm kind of hoping I he gets another one or two, so that he gets most of the you know other manager's attention, and I can
0: maybe get Duran. Did cheaper. you did you see me tweet out that I wanted uh, the NFBC to open back up bidding just just for like ten <laughs> minutes, just for Diekman bids? I just want to watch the world burn after that dominant. I kind of uh, wanted to strike out outing.
1: I got like, I got Dominic Leon in the league or two because I had Jake McGee and and Leon got the save, but I was like, man, mm-hmm. I wish i would gotten Deakman instead. Uh,
0: it's but, always hard, you know, and, yeah. and we are overreacting to so much right now as a community, you know, I got in a little, argument discussion debate i mean it's with rotosurgeon kev you know he's my homie so it's not it's not an argument we're not fighting or anything but he was making a big deal about uh, andrew vaughn not starting today against a righty uh over gavin sheets and you know it's righty righty versus sheets being a lefty and so you know i, I cited the numbers And i'm not saying that vaughn can't hit righties the real issue in the lineup today is that reese mcguire is catching so grandal has to go to dh and that's why Vaughn isn't playing. I don't think he's dead against righties, but my basic point was don't make a huge deal out of this. It's the fourth game of the season. Like that yeah. was my overarching point. I had some white Sox fans. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. You're just, you're just kissing Tony La Russa's ass. I'm like, well, then you know nothing about me because I cannot stand Tony La Russa. So <laughs> I guess my last question before we go is how do you combat overreacting early on?
1: Oh, well, you just have to be conscious of it. And, Know that you're going to have these biases, recency bias, creep in your head. You just got to do what you can to uh, to to overcome it. Because think about this: in a in a month's time, we're still going to be saying it's early in the season because exactly a month in, into the season. So right now, it's just like microscopic. I mean, a guy can totally change his batting line with one three hit game. I'm sure in our p- player wrap notes to come, you know, after a three hit game, somebody will go from like. An 088 average to four hundred, so just things can wildly change right now. I'm actually not even looking at my standings, and I'm I making a conscious effort of that because I think in definitely last year I burnt myself out looking at the standings and just you know when this is your full time job and then you know in your downtime you're just staring at your standings for three months
0: and, and uh, thinking that I burnt it matters myself matters out, yeah. yeah, thinking like it I, doesn't gotta matter, I gotta exactly. do this, I gotta do this. You know, and I don't say this just to uh, put myself up on having a good season last year. I only bring it up because I did do well in the main, but the first month I didn't, I wasn't doing anything particularly special. And then Toward the late end of April and into May, my team started to turn it around. And then I was in like the top 20 overall for like a few months. Then I kind of matriculated down, wound up 32 overall, but I didn't even start strong. It wasn't even like mm-hmm. I, I started strong and held on. So it's just so early. And like you said, it just ha- it's just willpower. There is no trick to it. You just have to not do it. And that doesn't mean you don't make any moves. Of course, you can make some moves, replace your injuries. You can replace the bottom tier of your lineup. And I always agree with the Scott pianowski line that if you never cut somebody that you regret you're probably being too cautious especially in mm-hmm. shallower leagues where the waiver wires are deeper but you gotta
1: churn a little bit
0: yeah you have to churn or else you're never going to get the steven Kwans or the josh lowes or the um you know the the breakout pitchers like uh nick martinez look pretty good michael Lorenzen, you gotta churn but do not be cutting guys whose draft round started with with a one. So, you know, the first 19 yeah, rounds Lorenzen
1: are right. did look pretty good. I was kind of surprised by really how good Lorenzen looked. But yeah, not only do you, if you're looking at your standings time and time again, not only do you run the risk of burning yourself out, but you also maybe get it in your head that, oh, this team sucks. You know, I, yep. This team's terrible. I'm not going to do that. If you'd done that in the main, you know, you wouldn't have had such a good year because you may have exactly. shifted your focus elsewhere. But yeah, standings are so fluid right now. Just do not... You know, get too concerned if you're you know the bottom half because standings really don't take shape for like half a year anyway and you might get it in your head that oh this team stinks i'm gonna give up on it when you may actually have like a, a league winning team yeah do not
0: give up continue to work hard replace your guys that are injured you can turn the back end your lineup but do not get rid of guys that you believed in you know 15th rounder that you thought was your sleeper of the year he's still your sleeper nothing has changed about that situation even if they're you know i'm an akil badu guy big time akil badu guy and he's batting low and he's he's missing games and it'd be easy to be like well guess i got that call wrong it's been six games no i didn't get anything wrong i didn't get anything right even if he was hitting 500 either that's the other side of it too right even if you're a breakout guy, if you're, if you're Alex Chamberlain and you're huge on Stephen Kwan, he's not right yet either. Mm-hmm. Nothing has changed yet from our preseason stuff. Just breathe and mm-hmm. try to enjoy that baseball's back. That's the number one thing I'm focused on right now.
1: People look back right, right now at this time and just laugh at some of the takes because... Of uh, course, because it, it's going to so be wildly early. It's in our I nature mean, think to to overreact, but just try not to.
0: Yeah. Think about what we do in the offseason when we analyze guys. We say, if you look at him from May on, because his April was so bad, we're nowhere near that the season's not even a week old. So I remember anyway, how bad uh, Garrett Ho- Whitlock Jorge
1: Polanco was last year in April?
0: Worthless. And I bet he was oh, cutting in tons of leagues. I he was I bet like he was a top cut in tons of 20 by the way, players the rest of the league. Whitlock threw four no-hit innings. So that's going to be uh, appealing Oof. to a lot of folks without a doubt. No-hit there. innings? Yeah. He allowed one walk. That was it. So, uh, anyway, Clay, that's going to do it for us. Excellent talking with you. Uh, Clay W link is where people can find you on Twitter, Sirius XM. Uh, give us your schedule again on Sirius XM. So two hours with Jeff on Thursdays, two hours with James on
1: Fridays and two hours with James again on Saturdays. So well, we're not doing the prospect pod right now. We are basically doing that on, on Fridays on the, the farm Friday edition of, uh, mm-hmm to wire fantasy sports today so join us if you can and catch paul on uh tuesday every tuesday His weekly uh interview with jeff and with, Todd.
0: with jeff and todd and clay we will have you back on for sure and i'm already, already going to be reaching out to your co-host james for a spot here as well uh look forward to battling it with you, battling it out
1: with you sorry to interrupt you but no uh, no you're fine in tout wars should be yes fun, uh, we'll be slugging coming, it and out toe.
0: and Thank you for the compliment on my Julio Rodriguez there. That one hit yeah. early, A buck. Uh, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. I had to go stars and scrubs there. So I was like, well, let me just try to get some of the prospects and see if this new rule will foster some call-ups. And I got lucky with Julio Rodriguez. But Clay, I want to thank you so much for being on. And again, we will talk in the very near future.
1: Paul, thanks so much, man. Great talking with you as always. Appreciate it.